Welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. This is a recording of our Wednesday morning Bible study held weekly at Chapel Hill and led by our Minister of Education, Casey Spiker. We walk each week verse by verse through the Scriptures, one book at a time. If you wish to join us in person, we meet each week at 10 a.m. in our sanctuary. We'd love for you to join us. Now let's open up God's Word together and see what God says to us today. All right, Solomon is talking to us. He's going to finish out Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're going to look at the last few verses, verses 12 through 18. We're also going to flip over to Romans, uh, not Romans, to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 today. We are going to look at Romans at the end, so that was just a little bit of a slip there, but it wasn't wrong. We're also going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 14 at the end of our passage today. So, last week, so far in Ecclesiastes, we've obviously, we've done an overview, we've looked at just the general principles and the general meanings and the themes of what Solomon is trying to tell us. And last week in verses 3 through 11, we looked at um, nature, what nature tells us about things, we looked at what the world tells us about things, and, and, and how our life is going to go. And Solomon has written that all of it is what? Useless, meaningless, pointless, futile, in vain, whichever one of those words you want to use. But basically he has told us to this point that everything that we want to accomplish, everything we're trying to accomplish on our own is vanity. It serves no purpose, it means nothing, it accomplishes nothing. At the end of, the li- at the end of our life, we're going to look back and we're going to see all the things that we accomplished on our own and they're going to be useless to us. We talked about uh, the, the, the point that none of us are going to be on our deathbed going, I wish I had worked more hours at my job. None of us are going to be going, I wish I had done this or that. All of the things that we're going to focus on on our deathbed are going to be related to family, first of all. But then we're going to, we're going to wish, we're going to think, we're going to wish that we had done more for the sake of the gospel. I, I, that's, that's what I believe. And anything else is going to be looked at as futile and vain and it serves zero purpose in our life. That's all Solomon's trying to tell us. It's all Solomon's trying to tell us that all of these pursuits, all of these things that we chase after, they serve little to no purpose. He told us last week that everything that is under the sun, that's our big phrase for, for the book of Ecclesiastes, everything under the sun is pointless. But today he's going to shift gears a little bit where he used last week, where he used uh, the nature and, and the world to tell us these things. Today he's going to talk to us, he's really going to share his testimony. If you want to, if you want to get into a, to a, a, a description of what it exactly is, is that he's going to do today, it's going to be brief. But in verses 12 through 18 in chapter 1, he's going to give personal examples. He's going to tell us things that he has done. Not specifically because it's still in the intro and he's going to continue this as he goes on. But he is going to tell you today, not that nature tells you that life is pointless, but today he's going to say, look, I tried this and I tried that and I did this and I was wise and I was smart, and I did all these things. Still, I just look back on it now, and I wish I had. I, I look back on it now, and I wish I had stopped. I, wish, I look back on it now, and I wish I'd done everything completely different. And so, that's where we are going to be looking today. All right. So, he also points out right away that in verse 13, 
all of these things, specifically wisdom, he uses the term burden. Wisdom is a burden. Now, uh, he says that it's a burden and he mentions specifically to the sons of man. Yours may say Adam's sons, it may say all people. Either way, he's referring to all of humanity, all of humankind. It doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter how much education you have. All wisdom, he says, is a burden. Now, we'll talk more about that in a minute. That doesn't mean you shouldn't go to school, it doesn't mean you shouldn't read, it doesn't mean you shouldn't try to understand, it doesn't mean any of that. But he almost, he almost makes the point somewhere in here that ignorance is bliss. The more you know, the more you wish you didn't know. The more you understand how vain some of these things are. You know, some of us can just plead ignorance. Well, I didn't know. But the more you understand and the more information you have, the more knowledge, the more wisdom you have, the more you understand just how much these things are meaningless. His... his his general trouble term that he's going to use, and he's going to use this several times today, is he tells us it's all like grasping the wind or striving for the wind. Different, different uh, translations say different things. But you ever tried to catch the wind? You can harness the wind. People use windmills and, and things like that to help produce energy. You ever tried to catch it? How would you do it? You get a, a fishing net and go out there and just wave it around, and when you get through, you got to you got a net full of wind. Is that how that works? Maybe you, just, maybe you just grab it. Garth Brooks released an album a few years ago called Rope in the Wind. Is that, would that work? You can get your lasso and throw it out there and pull some wind back. Wind's elusive, man. It, it, it doesn't work. It, you can't catch it. You can't keep it. So that's basically what he's saying here. All of these things that we reach out for, we're just grasping at things, but none of them... Stay with us, right? All right, so let's get, in. let's get into our passage. I'm going to go ahead and read both of these today. So let's start in, in chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 12 through 18, and then we'll, we'll go over to chapter 12. In chapter 1, verse 12, he says, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I set my mind to seek and to explore by wisdom concerning all that has been done under heaven. It's a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with. I've seen all the works which have been done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity, and there it is, striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, Behold, I have magnified and increased wisdom more than all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my mind has observed a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and to know folly. I realize that this also is, there's that word again, striving after wind. Because in much wisdom there is much grief and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. Turn over just a few pages to the end of the book, to, to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And we want to make sure that we look through here verses 8 through 14. In Ecclesiastes 12, starting in verse 8, he says this, Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Just to, just to make the point that the book ends the same way it starts, right? His, his, his theme has not changed, his, his concept has not changed, his principle has not changed. He wants you to understand that after all of this writing, he still says this, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. But now in verse 9, he says this, 
In addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. And he pondered, and he searched out, and he arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. The words of wise men are like goads, and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned, the writing of many books is endless, and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep His commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. All right, so for two weeks now, this is week three, for two weeks now I have told you to keep this in context the whole time that his, inter- his, his, his final point in all of this is the only thing that matters is God. Right? The only thing that matters is God. Last week we talked about the fact that the only things that are going to remain, Jesus tells us in the New Testament, the only things that are going to remain are the things that we have done for Him. The only things that we have done for His kingdom. Solomon is telling us the same thing. He's going to spend 11 and a half chapters telling us all the things that are wrong, but he's going to tell us to pursue God. To fear God and to keep His commandments. That's his goal. That's what he wants you to hear. All right. So you're going to hear, again, you're going to hear that a lot from me. Now, back to chapter 1, and let's look. The first thing we're going to look at is verses 13 and 14. We see that this says it is the burden of wisdom. The burden of wisdom. The word Solomon uses here for wisdom has a deeper meaning than just, than just knowledge. He's not talking about the things that you know. The word wisdom here has a much deeper meaning, and it implies the ability for proper behavior. It, it, it ties in with success. It tells us that you have common sense. It even says that you have a sharp wit. Some of you guys are really good at that. Y'all, y'all got that sharp wit thing figured out, okay? Basically, he's saying wisdom means not just knowledge, but being a well-rounded person, someone who can speak, someone who knows things, someone who somebody else might come to in a time of need for help. They might, you might trust their advice. You might trust their wisdom. Okay, So he's not just talking about somebody with a degree. He's talking about that person. You know that person that you trust, that you like talking to them, you like being around them, and they have all the answers. So when he talks about wisdom, that's what he's talking about. It really and truly points to a completely well-rounded person who seems to have it all. Now, the next thing he does is he points out quickly that this wisdom is a burden, and he mentions it, I, I said it a minute ago, he says that it is a burden to the sons of men, to Adam's sons. And again, this is a reference to the entire creation. It's a reference to every single person who has ever lived. And and basically, he's pointing us to Genesis chapter 3. It's a burden because we live in a fallen creation. We live in a creation that is afflicted with sin and and messed up people. you're, You're messed up people. I'm messed up people. We all are messed up people. And that is... That is sort of the burden that we have. Now, if you got your Bible, turn with me real quick to Genesis chapter 3. And let's read through that real quick. There's just a little bit here. In Genesis chapter 3, in verse 14 of Genesis chapter 3, it says this, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle 
and more than every beast of the field, on your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between you, your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. And then to the woman in verse 16, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And not to be left out, it says in verse 17, Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Now listen, he says, In toil you will eat of it. Toil is is burden, it's work, it's hard, it's nothing easy about it. He says, All the days of your life. He says, Thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, and from for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So because of the the consequence of sin, the consequence of the fall of creation, based on what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve, is is all of these things. It said to the serpent, he cursed him. To the woman, he cursed her. With pain and childbirth, to the man, he cursed him. With all of the days of your life, you're going to work this job and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be hard and, 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 and it's just going to be hard. All of this is the result of, of what happened in the garden in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. Now, we still today live in this world. We live in the same world affected by fallen creation, things happen that aren't fair, things happen that aren't right, sin dwells and and lives among us. We're talking about children dressed up for Halloween and things they shouldn't be dressed up as, right? We know that sickness comes, we know that all of these things take place in our creation because it is fallen. It is a fallen creation. All right. Now, here, let's go back to the wisdom thing for just a minute because where do we get our desire? Where do we get our, our interest in gaining wisdom? Kind of the irony of this thing is that God, I think, is, what, is who puts that in us. God puts in us a desire to know. We see it there in the garden, right? Uh, uh, hey, don't eat that apple. Because if you do, you'll be just like God. And what happened? Eve said, ooh, that's appealing. That's tempting. I might just do that, right? So our, our human nature is that we want to know. We want to know things. We, there's a reason we gossip. There's a reason we talk about things. There's a reason we talked last week about talk radio and television. We want to know what's going on. God, I believe God put that in us to a, to a certain extent so that we might continue to gain information, to continue to gain knowledge. Listen, above all, he put in us a desire to know more about Him. Right? So when we have that desire to learn, to grow, to be more like Him, it's going to spill over into the things of the world. It's going to spill over into those things. Now, here we also see that Solomon points out that whatever it is that you're looking for, wherever it is that you're looking for it, it is going to let you down. It's going to leave you empty, and it's going to leave you without meaning. The one thing we need to remember is that, listen, even when God's in control, those things don't always make sense, do they? 
When God is in control, even to us, things sometimes don't make sense. And so while we're out working and while we're out toiling and while we're out trying to gain and achieve and, and, and get this understanding, God's plan says something different. God's plan points us in a different direction. God's plan helps us to understand that He is in charge and we're not, right? So, he, he keeps going here. and Look, he says, I've seen all the works which have been un, done under the sun. I'm not sure if that's bragging or just pointing out that, guys, I've seen it all. Done it all. We, we, we generally refer to Solomon as the wisest man who ever lived, right? Seen it all. He knows a lot. He's, he's done things. He's been places. He's taught the people. He, he's, he's tried things. He's, he's experimented with things. And we, you know, we could try, try, you know, chase that rabbit for a long time. But he says, he did ask for wisdom. He did ask for wisdom. That's Right, richest king that there was, and yet he asked for wisdom. But even at the end of his life, he's writing back that this wisdom has a burden. So even wisdom, even just knowledge, and even just information, and even just being able to help others with what you know is burdensome, he said. Everything under the sun is vanity and striving after the wind. Solomon reminds us he's tried everything. He was the wisest man to ever live. He was absolutely rich. He was absolutely powerful. He had access to whatever it was that he wanted that it left him wanting more. It left him wishing for more and more things. And now my question is this, and maybe, maybe this thought is, is, is a good one. Do you know people like this? You, you watch them, maybe from a distance, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a, a relative, and you watch them and you just, you're saddened by their effort to try to fill their lives with things that don't matter. I mean, we could talk about people who work and work and work and work and work and work and work. And it doesn't make them feel fulfilled. You talk about things like alcohol and, and inappropriate sexual relationships and pornography. You can get into those conversations and talk about those things. All of, all of those things are simply attempts to try to fill my life with something I think is missing. And every drink leads you to want another drink, and every inappropriate relationship leads you to want more. Every view of pornography leads you to want to look at more, because why? Because none of it is fulfilling. None of it satisfies. Every bit of it. And look, I want you to think about this. Think about the things that Solomon had access to. He's wise and he's loaded. What did he have access to? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything is the correct answer. If, if he wanted to try and see if wine would be the answer to his miserable life, guess what? He could get as much as he wanted. You know what? He went through a, a season where he thought women was the answer to what was missing from his life, and he had a whole herd of them. And you know what? At the end of, the, at the end of his life, he's writing back, that didn't matter. It didn't matter. 
The wisdom is burdened. And he gets into this next part, and I kind of jumped ahead, but the next one, sin doesn't satisfy. He continues his thought in verse 15. He says, what is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. The word crooked there refers to sin. It refers to a life that is separate from God. It refers to a life that, that is absolutely the wrong way of living life. And he's telling us he's tried it. He's telling us he's tried it because in verse 16 he says, Behold, I have magnified and increased wisdom more than all who were over Jerusalem, and my mind has observed a wealth of, of wisdom and knowledge. And then in verse 17 he says, And I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I realize that this is also striving after the wind. All right, so wisdom is, is his way of acknowledging I've tried to live the right way. I've tried to live above board. I've tried to do the right things. And then he says he gets over here to madness and folly, which is the complete opposite of wisdom, right? So he's tried, he's tried wisdom. He's tried madness and folly, which goes back to that crooked thing that can't be straightened out. When he talks about madness and folly, he's talking about sin. And we could, we could just sit here and ponder all the, all the sinful things that, that Solomon engaged in in his lifetime. He's telling us the same thing. Good, earthly good is no good. <laughs> Sinful life is no good. All of it just leaves you just grasping at straws. Just trying to fill your life with things that do not matter. This is, this is fascinating. And I give, I give commentary credit for this because it, I, I didn't come up with this. But he said this. He said, how many things in your life have you prayed for and then viewed at some point as a burden? All right, let's, let's, let's unpack that for just a minute. Let's, let's go a little bit deeper. Let's look in depth at that. You and I have all prayed for things in our life. Lord, if I could just pass this test, life would be better. Life would be great. If I can just get past it, get out of this class, I'll be great. D is for diploma. C is for congratulations, right? Just get me out of this class, right? How many of you have ever prayed, Lord, if I could just have a boyfriend or a girlfriend in my life, I'd feel fulfilled. I'd feel complete. And then that moved on. If I could just, if I could just get married, Lord, give me a spouse. Give me someone who, who loves me and that I can love and that we can spend our lives together and it'll be great. How many of you have prayed for children? And they came along and then you went and locked yourself in the closet because the children were so loud and unruly and out of control. Some of you probably locked yourself in the closet because your spouse was out of, out of control too. Um, how many of you have ever prayed, Lord, if I could make just a little bit more money? The guy in the book said today, how many of you ever prayed to make $30,000 a year and you got to $30,000 a year and it wasn't enough? You prayed for $40,000 a year and it, you got to $40,000 a year and it wasn't enough. Now listen, here's the thing. If the things that we pray for, this is so good, if the things that we pray for can be a burden, if the things that we literally asked God for and He allowed us to have, if those things at times can feel like a burden, imagine the things that God doesn't want us to have. 
when we try to fill our lives with those things that God doesn't want. When He really has not ever signed off on. He never has given us permission. He's never given us those, those things, but we still try to fill our lives with those things. Imagine the burden that is. Imagine how much that weighs you down. Imagine how far out of fellowship that with God that stuff brings you. You know, you can make, you can pray for more money and you can get there, but most of us still run out of month before we run out of money. Doesn't matter. You can have a thousand dollars a month and you're going to spend a thousand. You can have ten thousand dollars a month and you're going to spend ten thousand. There are people who probably make fifty, sixty, a hundred, a million dollars a month. Guess what? If you spend more than you make, you're going to run out. Got to stress over how you're going to handle it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. If you don't have it, all you got to do is stress it about how you're going to get it, not what you're going to do with it when you got it. I, I, I got you. I got you. As a matter of fact, the author of the commentary that I was reading this morning, his name is Daniel Aiken. He's a seminary, a, a seminary president. He says this, the American dream is a lie. The American dream is a lie and it is a failure. If you are chasing today the American dream, which... It's fair. We live in America, and most of us are trying to have the successes of, of the people around us. Nice homes, pretty cars, uh, healthy children, uh, picket fence, all of those things. When we're chasing those things, we're doing just exactly what Solomon did, right? We're chasing after things that are insignificant and don't matter. The American dream, he says, is a lie and a failure. It will let you down. The last thing he says here, he sort of finishes up verse 18, this first section here. He says, because in much wisdom there is much grief and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. Not really much to, to add to that, right? The more you know, the more you know what is wrong. The more you know, the more that you know that something is missing. You're, 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 you know, you're, you're searching for that thing, but you've experienced more. And probably the more you've experienced and still feel empty, the more... Uh, uh, futile and the more vain it all seems because at some point you hoped you would have found it already and you're still looking and you've tried all these things. What he's saying there, the wisdom, it's burdensome, but it, 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 you know, it, it runs out. Now, here's a question. Let, let's ask this. Why, let, let, not thinking about where we're going in just a minute in chapter 12, but why would this be included in the Scripture? Why would, why, would, why would the Holy Spirit prompt Solomon to write these things for us today? Because look, where we are right now, if you're, just, if you're just in chapter 1 and you ain't got to chapter 12 yet, chapter 1, man, I'm, I'm down. I'm depressed. Man, whew, this is not encouraging stuff at all. Why would the Holy Spirit point us to this? The answer is simple. I mean, it really is a simple answer because we do know what's coming, right? We do know what's in chapter 12. We do know that Solomon is not saying your life is useless and meaningless. He's telling you your life without God is useless and meaningless. And he wants you to understand that this stuff isn't working. As a matter of fact, in the second part of this today, we're going to look at the fact that he is still writing these things. He's still pointing these things out to us because he's, he's doing the same thing that you have done as a parent. Look, i got a perfect example. Troy is in college. Troy's enjoying himself. He's having a good time. He's going to class. By all accounts, by everything that I can understand, he's doing all the right things. He's working. He's plugged in at a church. He's going to the BCM. He hadn't missed a class yet. He's doing well in all of his tests. 
But you know, you know what he hears from me a lot? My college experience wasn't like that. Just to be perfectly honest, I, you, you can even look on Facebook. I, gra- I, major, I majored in graduating in the fall. At the end, that's what literally what I said I, gra- I graduated with a degree in, was just graduating in the fall. At that time, I really didn't even care what it was in. I just needed to go. Because I, I spent a lot of time doing the wrong things. I spent a, long, a, a lot of, I, I joke all the time, I love college. I hated going to class. And so he hears from me today and yesterday, and he probably will tomorrow. And if he's listening to this right now, he's hearing it again. He's hearing from me what? Do as I say, not as I do. Because my experience is personal. My experience is real. He can think it's not right or whatever, and that's fine. But I know that every day, I wish I had done things differently in college. Yes, I've got a bachelor's degree from Troy University, and if they're listening to this, they're probably disappointed in all the things I just said, but that's fine. I have one. It's fine. I have a degree in music and human services. I, work, I deal with humans and, and music all the time, so it, the Lord knew what He was doing after all. But I, I can't tell you how many days I wish I could have gone back and, and, and retaken some of those things and, and taken it more seriously. And I've watched Jennifer, who has two master's degrees, and I've watched her get to sort of live out that my, my main college experience wasn't everything I could have done, but now i got a chance to get it right. And all I want to do, and Troy and, and Ben, who's now looking at college, all I want to do in, is speak into their life. I'm giving you a testimony. I'm giving you the worst case scenario here. Just don't do that. Just go, just go do the right thing. And look, that's what, that's what the Holy Spirit has done. He's prompted Solomon to write these things. He's prompted Solomon to put all of this in, in black and white, right? So that we can read it, that we can learn from it, so that we can understand the significance of knowing that all of the garbage we think is significant is not. And the beauty of it is, y'all, if we would just read it and understand it and, and apply it, think of all the pain and the suffering you'd missed out on. Right? There's no perfect person. Well, there's one. There was one perfect person. It wasn't us. Wasn't us. Spoiler alert. Wasn't me and you. Right? And so we have to learn. We have to make those mistakes. But it's given to us here in black and white. And basically, his message is this we should look to Christ. Now, having said that, turn back to chapter 12. Turn back to chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes. He basically is going to finish this out. And I'm going to say a lot of the same stuff I just said, right? We should look to Christ. So the first question is, why does the preacher still preach? Why is this here? And he says in verse 8, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. But now he gives us here reasons why he wrote this stuff, why he put this on paper for, it says, for my son, but obviously it made it past his family, right? It made it to us here thousands of years later so that we can look at it. Alright? So, as we pointed out, the teacher is writing because he feels he has a duty to share. He knows that his life was empty for a season and his lessons might potentially keep others, me, you, from falling into the same traps. Golly, if I'd have missed some of those traps along the way. How much... He's telling us we don't... We don't have to learn everything the hard way. But most of us are just stubborn enough that we're going to learn it the hard way. 
It is. The, the, the difficult thing for us is watching those people go through the same things we've warned them about. There's a chance at some point Troy may fail a class or skip a class or do something. And co- I told him, but I told him, but, you, but, but Sharon's exactly right. We're, sometimes we're just, we're just I'm not going to be that way. I'll never experience that. So I'm just going to go out and do it on my own. And you're right, as a parent, as a grandparent, the hardest thing is sitting back and watching when we've told them. That's, that's right. But now listen, things are different. That's, but listen, here's the spiritual application in that. Here's the spiritual, because it, it has a spiritual application, right? We feel that way and we're, we're heartbroken when our kids make wrong decisions and when our grandkids make wrong decisions because we've told them the right way to do it. Well, guess what? How do you think God feels when we mess up every day and He's told us the right way to do it? My parents told me the right way to do it. They sure did. It's the reason I turned out so well. Uh, but listen, here's it's a joke, y'all. It's a joke. Uh, but listen, here's the thing. Seriously, 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 think about this. How do you think God feels? Because look, He gave you an instruction manual. Right? He gave you uh, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth, right? He gave you a manual. He gave you a book that guides you and leads you and teaches you and shows you. It gives you a list of things to do. It gives you a list of things not to do. How do you think God the Father feels when He's seated on the throne and He sits down and He watches Casey go through his daily life and goes, well, I told him not to do that. There he goes anyway. I told him to do that, and he said, nope, not going to do that, doggone it. If we, as people, if Solomon is a father writing to his son and writing this to us, if we as parents and grandparents, talking to our kids and our grandkids, if we're that disappointed and that upset when they go through those things, how upset is God? How does He feel when we fail Him and let Him down? So, This is here. Solomon writes this. He writes it. So it's a word of warning. It's a word of information. It's a word of wisdom. Yes, as both of you just said, he wants us to miss out on things. He wants us to miss out on it. But in our minds, y'all, we're still going to do... Look, here's the thing. The human condition is this. I'm going to do what I want to. From the beginning with toddlers. That's right. But what's 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 most toddlers, what's one of their first few words? Mine. Mine. In other words, don't take that from me. That's mine. But guess what? We really don't outgrow that. We can, we can hide it sometimes. We can mask it sometimes. But me and you all, sometimes that's our default. That's mine. That's mine. Or you know, that's what I want. This is so important. This is so important. He really then is writing. He, he, and he, look, he's, got, he's writing for a reason. He knows that his life was empty for a season. And he knows that his lessons might potentially, hopefully, prayerfully, one day keep somebody else from falling into that trap. But it goes back, it goes back to that sinful creation. We live in a fallen world. It's... You know, and it's not, it shouldn't be an excuse. Well, you know, I, I mean, Paul says it in Romans. I, should I just say, well, you know, because grace abounds, I should just go out and sin more? What's Paul's famous phrase? May it never be. You know, that's true. We are made and we are in a fallen creation, but we also can't use that as a, as a crutch. We have a choice. 
You can choose today to follow God and follow God's plans and follow God's will and follow God's ways. Or you can choose to go out today and say, I want this and I want that and I'm going to do this and I don't care what He says. No matter how we're made, no matter what's in front of us, we still have that choice. We still have that option right in front of us. So listen, Solomon writes today with a great conclusion. And again, we've gone to the end of the book. We're not, this doesn't mean we're done. We're not skipping all that stuff in the middle. But it ties in because he starts with vanity is vanity, all is vanity, and he finishes with that. But now he says this, the great conclusion, verses 13 and 14 of chapter 12, he says this, the conclusion, in summation, <laughs> wrapping up, finally, he says this, when all has been heard, in other words, at this point, he's saying, I just wrote you 12 chapters, 11 and a half chapters of, of information. I've given you all of this stuff. The conclusion, when you've heard every bit of it, the conclusion at the end of the day is this. Fear God and keep His commandments. And what does he say? What's the rest of that verse? Y'all, this is so important. Because this applies to every person. Right? This is for everybody. This is not just for Jews. It's not just for Gentiles. It's, just not, for, it's not just for men or just for women. It's not just for uh, white people or Hispanic people or African Americans. It's, it's for every single person, this desire that we should fear God and keep His commandments. We should fear God and keep His commandments. We do this. He finishes out here and he says this, because God will bring every act to judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Tim Keller uh, was a, a great theologian. Actually just passed away uh, in, in the last few weeks. Uh, brilliant, brilliant preacher. Brilliant, brilliant uh, man. He said this, we can only come to two possible conclusions from what Solomon has written. One, Life is absolutely and utterly meaningless. and You could certainly see where we could come to that conclusion, right? But the second thing is the other choice, the or, is this. There's a God who loves us and who will judge us in the end. And listen, I, you're sitting here today because you're a believer in Christ. I firmly believe that. You, you have come to the conclusion that there is a God and that He has a plan for you and that He sent His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. You've accepted that. You've repented. You've gone through all of those steps. And I believe that most of you have lived your life to the very best of your ability to fulfill what God's plan is for your life. You do that because you know at the end of the day, God has a plan. And that thing that we've talked about, what, that judgment that is going to come, is what separates us in eternity from those who have choos, chosen to just believe that life is meaningless and futile. And so, I mean, we can come to one, or two one of two conclusions, right? Life stinks. Or God is good. If you, want to, if you want to just pretty that up and tie a little bow on it, there's two choices. Life stinks or God is good. Now, I know that we live in a world where people, there are people that don't believe there's a God, they don't believe in God, they don't trust God, they don't like the Bible, they think it's just a bunch of stories, they, they, they think Jesus didn't do anything. There's a, there's a whole group of people that believe every bit of that. And in my mind, I can't make sense of that. 
right? I can't make sense of a world that would choose life stinks over God is good. But it happens all around us. Happening. You have family members that are choosing life stinks over God is good. You have relatives. You have co-workers. You have neighbors. You have... Just to be honest, there's probably people in this church that are choosing life stinks over God. is Our job, listen, our job, our responsibility as believers is to try to convert as many of those people that are choosing life stinks away from that into understanding that there's a judgment, that there's a reality, that, that one day life is going to end and they're going to have to answer for it. Our job as believers is to help people understand that life does not have to stink. It doesn't have to be terrible. It can be great in Christ. That's our job. That's our purpose as believers is to help people get to that point. I want to conclude today by, by turning to the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 8, you know, we, you know those of you that are in the room, we studied this uh, pretty well in depth uh, a few months back. But Paul says here uh, some of the same exact same things that Solomon is writing. At the end of, in Romans chapter 8, arguably one of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture, Romans chapter 8, so powerful, so meaningful, so important. But Paul writes these things, same things. Starting in verse 18 through verse 25, Paul writes this. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul is saying, for I consider that those people who think life stinks don't fully understand what they're missing out on when they see the ever-increasing glory of God that is to come. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory, with the greatness that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In other words, in other words that, that he's talking about that fallen creation that we just talked about. We were subjected to this futility. We were subjected to this suffering because of the work of, of those before us. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers with the pains of childbirth together until now. Not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Without y'all, this is where it gets good, right? For in hope we have been saved. But hope that's not seen. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope... For what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. We have a hope. 18 through 25. We have a hope. The same hope Solomon's telling us about. We don't have to choose to just live this futile, terrible, vain life. Fear God and keep His commandments. Choose to live for God. Choose to live for Christ. Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and then wholeheartedly surrender to the things He wants you to do every single day. Now, there's no promise that tomorrow is going to be perfect. It doesn't happen. You will not have perfect days. 
doesn't mean life's going to be rosy, you're not going to be rich, you're not going to win the lottery, you're not going to have you know, all of these health problems go away completely. That's not how the life with Christ works. But I will tell you that the, the, the suffering that we have on, the earth, on this earth will not ever begin to compare to the glory that we have to look forward to one day with Him. Y'all, let's quit choosing life stinks. Let's quit choosing life stinks and let's go with God is good. Amen? Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to what God had to say to us. If you have any questions about today's Bible study, you can call our church office at 205-339-4071 and we will be glad to answer any questions you might have. God bless you and we hope to see you again next week.